You're listening to Side Hustle Pro, the podcast that teaches you to build and grow a side hustle from passion project to profitable business. And I'm your host, Nikayla Matthews. So let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Nikayla here. And today I want to introduce a guest who is near and dear to my heart. And I haven't even met her in real life yet. (laughs) Maya Elias is a personal branding strategist that teaches content creators and experts how to strategize, organize, and monetize their online business. She creates online courses and coaching programs with a focus on teaching entrepreneurs how to get clear with their messaging so they can create premium content and products that will get them noticed and paid online. She's helped hundreds of students and clients launch and monetize blogs, online challenges, masterclasses, webinars, online courses, and other successful content platforms so they can make an impact in their industry. I discovered Maya in 2015 when I was unemployed, lost, and looking to get my mojo back with blogging. I don't know how I came across her website, but once I did, I felt inspired and empowered. Maya shared so much useful and practical guidance for creating compelling content and amplifying your personal brand. I mean, her personal brand jumpstart and blogademic specifically were the first personal branding and content online courses that I personally ever purchased. So after going through these courses, that's when I started making tweaks to my blogging plan. And Maya guided me through everything from switching from my lame self-hosted site to some magical copywriting tips that she shared and to time-saving tips for getting content together. So even today, I still um, consider Maya like my coach in my head and continue to benefit from her content strategy. Welcome to the show, Maya. Thank you so much. What an awesome introduction. I love it. Yeah. It's just cool thinking about how you actually took my courses. So that's that's really awesome. Yes, yes. And I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. And, you know, it's funny when people reach out to me, sometimes I'm just like, start here. And I point mm-hmm. them to your website. So <laughs> give us some background for those who don't know you. Tell us a little bit about your personal story and how you came to be doing what you're doing now. Okay. Well, as you guys know now, my name is Maya. Um, I actually started making money professionally back in 2008. I was creating um, custom MySpace pages and my very first clients were just actually like wannabe models or wannabe rap stars. And a lot of them were actually um, reality TV stars from shows like For the Love of Ray J or like Real World or Real Chance of Love. Um, so I worked with a lot of like VH1 and MTV um, reality stars. So that's how I started out. I really was like a computer nerd ever since I was like little because the, the internet was getting big um, probably around when I was like six. <laughs> so I was just always so obsessed with the internet. I learned how to custom code my MySpace pages. And then when I went to college in Charlotte, North Carolina, somebody asked me if I knew how to custom design MySpace pages. And then they offered me $50 to do one. And I was like, Ooh, that's so cool. I can make money doing something that I 
already do for fun. Um, so that was the beginning of my journey. And then I, I grew, I started to meet the right people. I started getting clients and making like club flyers. Um, so my next wave of income outside of MySpace pages and business cards and comp cards for these wannabe models were, um, for club owners and party promoters and club promoters and things like that. So I evolved in my design and I started to understand what branding was. Um, I remember telling people I was a web designer before I had ever even actually designed a website. But I was like, I mean, it's kind of the same thing as making MySpace pages, because if I code my MySpace, it has to be similar to making a website. So I started telling people I was a web designer. And then I got my first web design client for like $300, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the most I had ever gotten paid to do a project because at that time I was charging like up to $70 for a MySpace page and like $45 for um, a club flyer. So it was really, really cool. But that was how I started out just hustling, trying to meet the right people, telling people things that I was capable of doing that I had not yet taken the time to learn. But I was such a self-starter when it came to learning. I was always uh, tweaking and growing and um, learning stuff through YouTube. So those were my humble beginnings. And then a few years later, as I got actually better at designing websites and learning the strategy behind it, um, I had higher end clients that were then paying me like $1,200 for a website versus $300. And um, I started... um, coaching my design clients and teaching them a little bit of strategy. And then I transition into creating online courses and doing one-on-one coaching sessions. Got it. Got it. And, you know, first of all, I'm so inspired by how young you got started. And I'm like, why wasn't I doing anything with my life? (laughs) (laughs) So I've, I've heard and I've read, you know, in your own website, you're so transparent. You talk about deciding to make that move from college, realizing that it wasn't the path for you, and then just leaping out on your own to do, to start your own business. Like, walk us through that. Like, what were, how, first of all, did you have the courage to do that? And then what were some of the first steps you took to actually start transitioning from, okay, this is something I do on the side to, okay, this is my, this is going to be my job. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm definitely in a fortunate situation that I did start young and that I just had this boldness in me to go after clients and and hustle and make money. Um, Because when I started, I didn't think to myself, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, like college isn't for me. I was just doing something I enjoyed and I was getting paid for it. And um, I was just in blessed situations where I was making a decent amount of money. Um, And then as I grew... I realized that I was more successful in my business than I was in college. And I was spending a lot of my energy, a lot of my time um, paying attention to what my clients wanted, paying attention to how I could get better as a business owner, thinking of new things that I could invest in. I was so passionate about designing and helping my clients uh, build their online brand and just putting themselves out there. And I was definitely way more passionate about that than I was in a calculus class or accounting or biology or, you know, all of those classes that had nothing to do with web design or business or computers or anything like that. Um, So I think it was maybe like probably late 2011 or uh, somewhere in 2012 where I was like, man, I, I really wish that I could just 
hurry up and get done with college and just work for myself. Like I was really trying to finish because I'm first generation American and my parents came here because of my dad's education. Um, and, and to also just have a better life for me and my sister and, and our family overall. So a traditional education was something that was important to them. Dropping out of college initially was not something that had ever crossed my mind. It was just something that I was like, I just need to push through and finish. But it was hard for me. I struggled in college because my my energy wasn't there. I did not invest a lot of my time and energy. I surely didn't invest as much time as I did money into college. So I was just not <laughs> successful in it. Um, and then I just, you know, I had debated it for like a year and a half. Like I had a lot of anxiety going back and forth with it. I had a lot of sleepless nights because I was like, oh, I need to be studying for this test, but I really want to finish this website for my client. So it was really scary, but I had, I had some good support through some clients and a couple of close friends that just kind of nudged me and pushed me along because that was, that was the scariest decision I had made in my life at that time. So I eventually just never went back. There was an instructor. Um, I had to go out of town for business and I was talking to my instructor saying, you know, if there's any tests or anything like that, can I take it early or take it when I get back? So I have to go out of town and there was an instructor that was like, well, you're just going to have to fail and hope that your next test grade um, is good enough to replace it. Cause you know how they do that in college, right. like your best grade replaces your worst one or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't fly with me. And I'm like, I'm in debt for you to tell me that I have to fail. No, this is not cool. So I just never went back as a student. Wow. So now when you were really like, I'm not going back, were you financially prepared? I know you were making a good good amount per month, but like what um, were you like, did you keep your costs low by living at home? How was that situation? Yeah. So during that time, um, I had a roommate. And so, I mean, my, my living expenses have never been crazy. I, I, I'm pretty sure for a while I've probably invested more into my business than I do like living expenses. Um, so they weren't anything crazy. I, I had a car that was already paid for. Um, so I was basically paying for rent. I think my dad was still paying for my phone bill up until he found out I dropped out. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I was probably making around $3,000 a month during that time. And it was just good enough. I was just going to make it work. I was just going to hustle. Yeah. And now how did you go about getting your first clients and customers, especially after you made the leap and you knew like, okay, I got to hustle even harder. I know the first one um, came kind of worked of mouth and build on each other. But then when you were actively looking to get new business, what did you do? Um, honestly, I just had a lot of clients kind of like backed up and mm -hmm. I had a lot of recurring clients. So it wasn't like a decision like, oh, I'm just never going back to college. Like I'm good. I mean, I was still smart about it. And this is something again, that I had been battling with for like a year and a half because I knew I was prepared. I just wasn't uh, like mentally and emotionally prepared to deal with my parents. So it, it had nothing to do with, you know, not having enough clients or not ha having enough money. Um, so a lot of my business was word of mouth. I did not have to do a lot of marketing. And at that time I was blogging and I've, I've just been transparent online. So I was content marketing really before I got a full grasp of what content marketing was. 
But people saw me, people saw my clients, people saw the case studies that I did, people saw the testimonials, and people were just excited to work with me. So I was just in a fortunate situation that I had loyal clients that would keep coming back or they would refer me to people that I also enjoyed working with. Cool. So speaking of, you know, clients and people enjoyed your blogging. Now, when I first discovered you, I had no idea you used to be this uh, web and graphic designer. So tell us about the transition from designing to teaching and coaching. What inspired that? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really interesting. Every time I think back about where I started and I think about my future and, and where I want my business to go, the one thing that's always been the same is I love working with people who really believe in themselves and they have a talent and they just want to get seen. And my desire has always been to try to make people look cool online. And so I just never really knew what the term was for, but essentially I've always just wanted to help people build their brand, whether it was helping like a reality TV star who wanted to be a successful model build their brand and I would help them through MySpace or I transitioned and helped maybe like a nonprofit um, get seen more by people and help them build their website. Um, a lot of the issues that I came across as a designer was that people were just not clear on their messaging. And so they didn't know what to say on their website. They just knew that they wanted their website to look good and they knew what they wanted their website to do, but they didn't know the strategy behind it. So these are things that I had to research so I could be a more valuable designer to my clients. Um, and then at a certain point, it just got frustrating because, and any designers listening to this know, know that the hardest part of working with a client is just good communication. And a lot of times when people approach you for design, they don't know what they want, but they think they do. And it becomes frustrating and they want to hop on a call with you and they want to see what you think about their ideas. And for me, I'm already a person that does not like talking on the phone. So I was <laughs> like, if we're going to be doing all these phone calls, I'm going to have to charge you for it. Yeah. And I didn't want to seem like I was nickel and diming people. So I was just like, I'm just going to be a consultant. I just called it what it was instead of trying to be like, you know, I'm going to have to charge you extra for design to talk on the phone. It didn't necessarily make sense. So I was like, I'm just going to start charging for consulting because people are struggling in this area and they need help. And if they're going to keep coming to me, then I might as well charge for it. How did you get so good at this? Like, it almost seems like your natural gift and God-given gift, which I, I honestly believe. But then also, how are you continuing to educate yourself about uh, content marketing and developing great content? Oh, my gosh. I'm just always so hungry to learn. During that time, uh, before I dropped out of college and like within like the first year and a half of when I had dropped out, I studied a lot of experts and I didn't study experts from the standpoint of how people will like take your course and then they like regurgitate everything you say. Right. I studied experts <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't study what they said. I studied what they did because there's definitely a difference. So I'm like, well, what does their website look like? Why did they use this color or why did they say this in their call to action or why did they do a three part video series instead of doing a webinar 
or why did they send the email out on Tuesday instead of Friday? So I was always studying experts in their delivery. So that was probably one of the biggest things. Um, I just love studying successful people because it just makes sense to do that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned, oh, sorry to cut you off, but I was just going to say, I'm glad that you mentioned studying not with the purpose and and hope to copy but to glean like insights and really understand what's happening beyond just like the surface and I think it's hard for a lot of people to do that it's like oh that's working so I'm just gonna go ahead and do that and like actually no like learn from it and then apply it to what you're trying to do you know you you can't just uh, take something verbatim and think it's gonna work for you Right. Exactly. That's such a good point. And that's something that I had been thinking about earlier this week, actually, just like something that works for one person might not work for me because we're at different levels. Like I can look at successful people that have seven figure businesses and see what their strategies are. But I also have to consider that they did the things that I'm doing now. Like it's just all a process. So being able to study people where they are, but realize that those strategies will work when you get to their level. They might not apply to you right where you are right now. That is a message. That's a word for all of us, because it's like, why are, you know, you just fighting that comparison is, um, it's, it's tough sometimes. But speaking of that, I do love the fact that you're very transparent in your journey. You know, I mentioned it before. Did you plan that out? Or did it just organically happen? Or did you say, you know what, this is what's going to differentiate me in this very saturated market? Did I plan what out? Did you plan out that you were just going to be an open book? No, I don't know what it is about me. It's it's certainly definitely some uh, characteristics that God gave me. I don't know where this boldness came from and I don't know where the shamelessness came from, but I'm a very shameless person. So it's it's not hard for me to be transparent because I'm not ashamed of who I am. So it's like nothing, it, it's, it's hard for me to be embarrassed. So me being transparent is pretty easy. I just want to help people. And so I don't really hide much. I think for me, the best way I know how to help people is to uh, share the ways that I have failed. And I just like to laugh at my failure. I think it's fun and funny. So (laughs) I don't know where it came from. Just who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. Got it. So now I want to talk a little bit about the evolution of Maya Elias. So we talked about, you know, you going from web designer to content strategist. What informs your own content? Like when you're laying out your plans for the year and you're thinking through the fact that, hey, I'm a coach, I have to consistently create stuff to make money, right? How are you, how do you structure that in your mind so that you can continually provide value for your audience? No, that's a really good question. Um, When I think about creating content, I first think about my overall goal. Um, Because for me, creating content is about just positioning yourself. What do I want to be known for? What do I want people to know me for? What do I want people to love me for? And so that's what I think about. Um, So if I'm like, I know I want to be a best-selling author, then I know that a lot of my schedule has to be placed around um, actually writing the book and finishing the book and thinking about a launch plan. Or if I'm like, I want to be known for the beginner blog coach, then I'm like, okay, when are you going to free launch blogademics? 
What type of blog post are you going to write to attract uh, people that want to start their blog? So I just think about what is it specifically out of all of the talents that I have, I have to have a core focus. I decide the core focus or the one or two focuses that I want to be known for. And then I start thinking about how I can attract the people that it would help. And then I create content based around that. Got it. Now, I may have jumped ahead in in assuming how you make money in your business. So can you explain that for the audience that's not as familiar? What what as a content creator um, are your revenue streams now in 2017? Yeah, so my revenue streams most recently have been through affiliates in my smaller products. Um, and then like last year was primarily through courses and one-on-one coaching. So it's definitely interesting to see, uh, the evolution of where my money comes from. Um, and I do have to admit that for me, and I'm, and I'm thinking about trying to possibly hire somebody to help me with this, but paying more close attention to my numbers. Like I want to be able to know like 20% of my income comes from this product and 50% comes from this product and 4% comes from this product. I don't pay attention to that and I definitely should. So I can know what I need to be pushing more, but I, I do know for sure that a lot of my income comes from my membership now, my smaller products, and then affiliates. So affiliates would be um, like the software that I use basically. And when I recommend it out to people or I collaborate with these companies through webinar, a lot of my income comes from there. Oh, cool. And when you say smaller products, uh, why do you call them smaller products if uh, a lot of your income comes from them? I call them smaller products uh, in comparison to like courses and speaking and workshops. So like my smart content toolbox or my product planner uh, workbook, like those are small products because it's just like a one-time purchase for like under $30. So I call them small because of the the price level that they're at and um, the time investment that people use with it. Got it. And if I may, um, you know, up-and-coming content strategist, how do I know how many products I should be thinking of creating a year or if if I should be thinking of launching this many times a year? A year? How do you um, plan that out? That's a good question. I definitely suggest um, trying to have just a core two to three, no more than that, products. Um, because it can just get very confusing. And then when people go on your site and they want to buy from you, but there's too many options, sometimes it causes a delay or they just don't buy at all because they're like, well, I don't know which one is best for me. I'm not in a position to just sit here and buy all of these products. Or even if they can't afford it, nobody just wants to buy a whole bunch of stuff. They just want to be very clear on their purchases. So that's something that I had to work on just because I'm so used to creating so much content and I'm so excited to get things out to my audience that I found myself just creating a lot of stuff and it was very valuable, but it was confusing. So I kind of had to like take a step back and say, which one of these are best serving my audience? Which one of these are selling the most? And then just get rid of the other stuff. I just kind of gave it away as like bonuses or freebies when I sold like my larger courses. Um, but just keeping it to a minimum. So that way people feel confident in their purchase and they're not confused. And then when it comes to launching, 
launching is so exhausting. Um, yes. <laughs> it, it's very exhausting. So I usually plan to launch like one course, maybe like twice a year. And sometimes even though I shouldn't, like when I have a launch on my calendar, I just like skip over it. Like I just pretend like it's not there. Cause I'm like, I would rather like scrape my face off than try to do this launch. <laughs> so and and it's bad because it's just it's just one of those things where it's like just do it like you just have to put in the work and it just like there's really no excuse for me not to do it um like if I was my own coach I would totally yell at myself because if a student told me they didn't launch because they didn't feel like it I'd be like okay what do you want money or not but I'm just like oh my gosh I would rather just like miss out on money but if I knew exactly how much money I would be making I probably wouldn't be skipping out on the launches (laughs) Right. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, my listeners know that I dragged my feet about creating my first uh, course, Master of the Gram, all of 2016. And finally, <laughs> I did it. And, you know, I am um, I'm wanting to relaunch, but it's just like, whoo, child. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It is. It's a lot because you want to do it right. And you, right. you want to make sure people have the support and the email sequences to um, continually encourage them. So right. um, I'm glad to know it's not just me. And I'm also glad you mentioned that it's not about how many products you have. It's about the quality, because I think sometimes we think like, oh, the more products, the more money. And it's it's not the case. Right. Um, you're you're sacrificing the quality a lot of times when you have to try to promote them all. Right. Right. So now that you've learned that, can you share what other things have changed in your business since you first got started in addition to scaling back on the number of products? Yeah. Okay. Let's see what has changed. I feel like I'm changing all the time. And sometimes I feel like I grow quicker than I can even keep up with myself. I'm like, okay, it's like, <laughs> who are you? Figure it out so you can keep moving. <laughs> um, so let's see what has all changed. Um more so focusing on content creation rather than um, talking a lot about personal branding. Um, I think it's just interesting because a lot has changed, but then a lot also just goes back to the original idea. Like when I first started blogging and when I was just blogging for the sake of getting myself out there, I wasn't even necessarily trying to monetize it. I talked a lot about personal development and I actually talked a lot about my faith, but that was before people even really knew who I was as an expert and as a blogger. That was just back when people just knew me as a graphic designer. So like me talking about my faith, me talking about personal development, me being transparent, a lot of people who maybe started following me after I got quote unquote big as a blogger, they think this is something new. They're like, oh my gosh, you're stepping out on faith. This is so great. And I'm like, I mean, I was talking about this back in 2013, but now you guys are just seeing it on a larger scale. But definitely just, Getting back to the roots is actually something, I guess, that is just different. Focusing on people, focusing on their purpose, um, focusing on it from like a personal development and a faith-based aspect, that's somewhat different in my business because I had taken a step back to just focus on like the business strategies and the branding and what's going to make you look good. And I kind of held off on the personal development side for a while. Oh, I see. And how are you continuing to grow your brand? I, you know, to me, in my world, I'm like, oh, Maya's huge, but everyone knows Maya. Um, how are you pushing yourself to that next level? 
It's hard. I definitely have to have people around me um, that are going to push me. Um, and, and just staying consistent, honestly, it's, it's still like strange for me. Like when people know me, like, I I don't feel like I've changed. So it's, it's different that like Maya from 2013, when people were kind of sort of maybe reading my blog versus Maya in 2017, where a lot of people know me, it's still just like, wow, you guys are so nice for reading my blog. So I just do what I do and I just do it consistently. And I I try to be as helpful and as kind as possible to the people that support me because it's still like, it's not something I'll ever get used to. Like people take their time to read my blog. That's so sweet of them. Or they take the time to like, tell me nice things or like, you know, send me nice emails and stuff like that. I think it's just the fact that I treat people like people that's helped me build my brand. I, I think it has very little to do with how smart, I am and how well, um, how well I understand my industry, because there's so many different people out there that are excellent in content strategy. There's so many people that are great in teaching you how to build your personal brand. There's a million bloggers that can teach you how to blog, right? So what I do is not, what I do as my profession is not something special. I think it's just how I communicate with people is what helps me to build my brand. Got it. And, you know, that just reminds me how, okay, everyone and their mom has a course these days. What do you think are some misconceptions uh, about how to be a coach or an instructor? And what are some common uh, pitfalls that you see people falling into? Oh, man. I think the biggest pitfall is when people teach courses um, after they've taken a course on the course that they're trying to (laughs) teach. Uh, That is the biggest thing. And it's so frustrating for original course creators and it's so frustrating for um, coaches. And I I definitely don't, I think half the people do it because they're frauds. And I think the other half, they're still frauds, but I don't think that they realize they're doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just think one half of them are doing it with ill intent and the other half is just clueless. And it's because when you study something so much, you start to regurgitate that information and you almost think that you came up with the original idea. So for instance, and I'll use this example just because I have a blogging course, but somebody will take a course on blogging and then they'll start teaching somebody else how to blog instead of taking that strategy and applying it to their own expertise. So if you started out with health, you need to take those marketing strategies and the blogging strategies and apply it to your health expertise instead of of leaving the course and then starting to talk about blogging. So people essentially forget about their own impact to the world. They forget about their own purpose and they start transforming into a copycat version of somebody else. Amen. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> it's like, it's okay to, to stay in your own lane, even if someone else is doing this and it's working for them. And yeah, <laughs> we could go on and on about right, that. Well, yeah. What are some what are some other pro tips that you've learned now that you've been coaching for a while and have created several courses? Um, other pro tips. Let's see. Don't be afraid to narrow down your niche. That is like the biggest one. This is it's like my biggest pet peeve when people won't take this advice. So if you're listening to this, if there's anything you hear from me, narrow your niche, please do so because the issue with creatives is that we're just too freaking smart, man. 
we're too smart <laughs> and we know too much and we're very good at a lot of things and we have the ability to help a lot of people. And so we take all that knowledge and we try to help all of the people. But your audience wants to feel special and significant and unique. So, for example, like how I was talking about, you know, like hiring somebody that can help me with my numbers. I want to feel like that person specifically helps 26 year old black girls that need to focus on their numbers. Like I want to work with somebody who I feel like they've worked with people who have been in my shoes. I don't want to feel like, oh, I help everybody and I help everybody with with everything your audience wants to feel special and unique and like you understand where they are coming from. So narrow your niche down into a specific, um, a specific expertise and with a specific audience. Got it. And what about pricing? Now you have gone through scaling and changing prices as you've become more experienced. How did you start off knowing what to price? I didn't. I was just making stuff up as I went along. <laughs> I And that's literally what I do every day. And then I just pray about it. <laughs> um, do you have any advice for people who are like launching and, and trying to or just resources on how to figure out um, where they should be coming in? Yeah, definitely. So you definitely want to research your industry and kind of see what other people are charging. But I think the biggest thing that I actually learned as an actual strategy, instead of just guessing and living on a prayer, is that <laughs> you have to realize what you bring to the table and what your value is. And unfortunately, um, I think that a lot of people undervalue themselves more than they overvalue themselves. So I see a lot of people charging too little more than I see people charging too much. And I, it's because they don't take the time to evaluate what they are bringing to the table. So you need to consider how would your client's life be different if they hired you? And what is their life going to look like if they don't hire you? They, you need to think about the cost of their life if they don't work with you. Like what is, what does that cost look like? And so whatever your price is, maybe you're charging $500 for an online course. You want people to feel like it would cost me more money to not buy this course. And that's how I like to think of things. And your value isn't just in if you're making people money, right? Because there's value in so many different things. And I, and I think this is another reason why um, there's a lot of like business coaches that aren't yet ready to be business coaches or people that are trying to teach to make money because they only think value is in helping people make money. But you, as the expert, you need to know where your value is. Maybe, maybe you teach um, how to eat more healthily, right? There's definitely value in living longer, <laughs> right? So you just need to know how much is it going to cost if they don't get this information? Mm, that's, I like that a lot. And it's something that really does, as soon as you said that, you know, it's like it clicks in your head. Like you, you see things completely differently. Mm -hmm. And speaking of pricing and courses, I've noticed recently that, um, you know, because I get your emails, you've been doing a lot of collaborations. Um, is that a strategic 
Is that kind of a plan on your part to collaborate with more people in your space as opposed to viewing them as competitors? Is that uh, more of an affiliate strategy? Tell us more about that. It's a little bit of both. Um, Because I am so adamant on staying in my lane, I really like the niche that I'm in. I like teaching content and monetizing content. I don't try to tackle other areas, even if I'm good at it. I would rather just collaborate with somebody else who's good at it. And that's another thing that helps to position me as an expert. I know what I want to teach. I know what I'm excellent in and things that I'm only good in. I would rather just tell you about another person that could help you who is excellent in the things that I'm only good in. So a part of it is just collaborating with people instead of trying to make them my competition, Um, and it's also just part of my affiliate marketing as well, where I don't have to think about, oh, I need to create a brand new course on X, Y, Z. It's just like, oh, let me collaborate with somebody who already has this course and I can trust their work. Cool. So in those cases, do you reach out to them if you've seen that they have an existing course or is it kind of just like you guys are talking and you develop it, they're developing it and reach out to you? Um, A lot of people honestly reach out to me. I rarely reach out to people. Uh, It really just depends on our relationship. I'm really particular about um, who I put in front of my audience. So if people reach out to me, um, I turn down more people than I accept. So it really just depends like on our relationship. Um, If it's like a business colleague, like there's people like Hallie Gray, who um, who I just actually sent out an email about today, or Caitlin Batcher or Mariah Cause. Like, these are people that I talk to every single day. So they almost kind of just like expect me to be an affiliate and they'll message me and say, hey, um, are you available to do like a webinar on this date? Or I'll reach out to them and say, hey, when are you launching XYZ? I want to get you in front of my audience. So it definitely depends on the dynamic of the relationship. But a lot of the times people are reaching out to me and then I kind of just evaluate if they're a good fit for my audience or not. And you're very good about that. You, um, yeah, you put me on to Mariah Cos, Femtrepreneur. And yeah, I've always found the people you introduce to be very valuable. So kudos to you for, you know, sticking to that. Oh, good. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah. Do you have any tips as, as it relates to selling? Because you're also very good at just, um, you know, sharing what you know, sharing what the offer is on the table without it coming off like salesy or icky or anything like that. Oh, thank you. Um, Again, my biggest tip is just knowing what you bring to the table. I think people get scared about money when they don't really believe that that's what they're worth. And I know that even when you have all the confidence in the world, talking about money can still be awkward, but you just have to practice doing it. So if you're scared about talking about money, get into the habit of talking about money because you need money for your business to thrive. You need money essentially to make an impact, which is which is the ultimate goal of what we want to do. Um, but I just, I don't know. And I also, I spend time around people who see my value. I spend time around people who are not afraid to talk about money. So I think that confidence just translates from the people that I, that I spend a lot of time around. Got it. And yeah, you guys, like Maya was the first person that really made me think like, I can develop my personal brand and monetize that. Like I can make a living just sharing the knowledge that I know. Um, there is the bit, there is such a thing as the business of you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely check her out. MayaElias.com will be in the show notes. So 
Before we get into the lightning round, I want to talk a little bit about sustaining a profitable business. So I don't know if you still do this, but you used to share your income reports. And and that's another way I knew she was legit, you guys. Like (laughs) I was like, wow, this girl is sharing her income reports. (laughs) So... How do you plan out your projected income nowadays? I Dominique Broadway, one of our previous guests, talked about income action plan and mm-hmm. holding yourself accountable. Like I'll make X because I'm selling, you know, this many of that product at this price point. Do you do that kind of exercise? Yeah, I do. Um, I think about, of course, how much money I literally need to survive, and then I think about how much extra I want to have. Um, And then I think about what that looks like in terms of launching or what it is I need to sell or do I need more speaking gigs? Um, So I have to figure out what is the number that I want and how do I want to make this money? Because I honestly think that when it comes to making money, I think the easy part is making the money. I think the hard part is making the money in a way that fulfills you. So I try to break it down in a way that's going to make me most happy. Um, so that's that's really how I plan it out. But then, you know, you lay out all of your products and basically what that's called a product suite or your ecosystem. So I would lay out like all of my products, like my smart content toolbox. I know is $19.99. I have a content creation bundle for $37. I know I have an online course for $4.97, another course for $9.97. My coaching is about $2,000. So it's kind of like I need to get this many clients per month. I need to sell this many toolboxes per month. And then that's how I think about, you know, this is the way I'm going to work on generating my income. And then I'm like, okay, well, what's the strategy to get people in the funnel to buy this product? And what's the strategy to get people to book me as a speaker? What's the strategy to get people to hire me as a coach? So I wish it was just as easy as being like, okay, I want to make $10,000 this month and I'm going to get this many clients, this, this many customers, but then you have to do an entire strategy behind that. So that's really, really what goes into it. How will I get people to trust me enough to buy me, to buy, uh, I guess me (laughs) or my (laughs) products, um, so that I can reach this income goal. Now you touched on, uh, yeah, I wish we had more time because I'm like, I do want to know the strategy for the funnel. I do want to know the strategy for So guys, you're going to have to reach out to Maya personally because she could, she has so much more to share. But yeah, how are you doing all this? I know you have a team. Um, how many people are on the team? Like, what are the functions of the different team members? Yeah. Okay. So right now I have my VA who is just awesome. My virtual assistant, she does all of my tech stuff, all of my admin slash customer service stuff. And Where did I have you find this VA, by the way? She actually used to be a client of mine and she was, um, she was a tarot card reader and she was teaching other tarot card readers how to run their business. And she was like, uh, I actually don't really like running my business. I just like the administrative part to it. And so she became a VA and I was like, well, I know what you're doing because I taught you. (laughs) So (laughs) then I hired her and and she's excellent. I, I love her. Um, honestly, everybody on my team has followed my brand and that's something that's so important to me. A lot of people are like, Oh, you can get a VA for $3 an hour in India. But I'm like, for me, it's not about how much it costs. Like I, the people on my team need to be invested in my brand. Like they need to be hungry to see me win. So that's something I'm excited about. 
my VA is, is awesome. She understands my brand. She's followed me and, and she was a client of mine. Um, my copywriter, she's awesome. I actually hired her because she read my blog consistently and she emailed me one day and she was like, I really love your brand. I think you're amazing. She was like, but you have some like grammatical and spelling errors. And I think that, um, it takes away the, the, polished version of who you are. And I'm like, yes, I love when people correct me. I love people that want to see me be better. And they have the courage to approach me and say, this is kind of awkward, but here's where you could be better. So I was like, okay, well, are you willing to accept X amount of dollars per hour? And she was like, oh, wow, of course. So I kind of like helped her start her copywriting business. Cause I was like, well, I need you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I actually recently reached out to a designer Obviously, I know how to design my own stuff, but it's just time consuming sometimes. And sometimes I don't want to do it. So I just for me to make it most cost effective as far as hiring a designer, I just created templates and I can just pay her for a couple of hours per week to just update the templates that I need for my business. So I'm going to use the same graphics for my YouTube. I'm going to use the same graphics for my blog post. I'm going to use the same graphics for my webinars and she can just update that. And that helps it to be cost effective. Cool. Now, did you, how long were you in business before you started hiring a team? And and what would be your suggestion for people who can't afford a team yet or so they think? Um, Technically, I started my business in 2008, so to speak. I mean, I was like freelancing and I was, I was in school, so it wasn't full time until 2013. Um, I had had interns and then I think the first person that I had hired was, um, for social media. And that was really in exchange for her to take my courses. And then, you know, she couldn't pay her bills with my courses. So I had to eventually start paying her. <laughs> um, but that was good. And that was like an affordable rate, something I could afford. I really didn't start bringing on actual team members until, I was making five figures in my business. So it wasn't until I was making 10,000 between like 10 and $12,000 a month that I started hiring people. I was just doing it myself. And then there was just a point where I was like, wow, I would literally rather be in my bed watching Netflix instead of setting up a page for a webinar. Like I need to be able to hire a VA. And that was like such an interesting experience. I'm like, wow, these people actually know what they're doing. Um, so I, the most important thing before you hire is to just document your processes. You have to document your processes. I think this is why my smart content toolbox is one of my best sellers because it's just literally a step-by-step of how I create content in my business. And it makes it easy for people to delegate things out because if you hire somebody and then they don't know what they're doing and you don't know how to explain it to them. You're wasting your time and you're wasting your money because the time that they're supposed to be doing stuff for you, you're taking to explain it to them. Whereas this is stuff that should have already been documented. So they know what they're doing when you bring them on. Such a good, such a good tip. And speaking of the smart content toolbox, I, I have to get a little bit into the funnels before lightning round. Like y'all, we might even <laughs> skip lightning round, but <laughs> So we can't get into each of them. I know each of them require something different. So for like something like Smart Content Toolbox, how do you think about a funnel? And if I'm new, I'm launching a product, a smaller product that, um, you know, can be grabbed at any time. How should I think of that funnel? Yes, I will give you the 
the simplest funnel in my business that I love, which is just called a tripwire. Are you familiar with what a tripwire is? No, tell me more. Okay. So basically, um, and this is what's running on my business right now. So you guys, you guys are getting the tea. I'm going to tell you how you can get my smart content toolbox at a discounted rate. So basically when people go on my website, I have my freebie there, which right now it's, it's my content starter pack. Um, and it's just helping content creators that are new, like just get the basics, like here are the welcome emails that you need to send out. Here are some lead pages, <clears throat> excuse me, some lead, um, lead magnet options that you can use. Here's how you plan out your content strategy. And so when people download my freebie, instead of it just being a thank you page, which is something that I usually have like a thank you page and it's like, Hey, share this out with your friends. Um, instead of it being a thank you page, it's a tripwire. And basically what that is, is a mini sales page. So it's like a thank you page that has an offer on it. It's like, Oh, thanks. You know, you got your content starter pack. It'll be in your email. Here's a quick, um, here's a special offer for downloading my freebie and you can get it for, and you want your tripwire to be something that's under $10. So mine is $9.99. A lot of really popular ones are just $7. And so it'll say, because you're into, you know, building your, a content strategy. Here's one of my best-selling tools that will save you time. You can get it right now for $9.99. So that's a way, the purpose of, of Tripwires is to get people from subscriber to customer as quickly as possible because you want to get people in the habit of making a monetary transaction with you instead of just giving you their email. So that's definitely a quick funnel right there. And then when people are raving about your smart your smart content toolbox, they're not going to know how to access that tripwire page. They're going to just go to your site and buy uh, whatever the product is for full price. You see what I mean, you guys? <laughs> Maya, Maya has the keys, all right? <laughs> so, okay, we're going to end it at that. I think we can squeeze in a lightning round yes, if you're up we, for it. Yes, I'm up for all it. Right. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. So, number one, what's a resource that has helped you in your business that you can share with the Side Hustle Pro audience? Ooh, I'm so bad at lightning rounds. Every single podcast, <laughs> I'm so bad at them. Um, a resource. Okay, let's see. Uh, a, a resource. Uh, the Smart Content Toolbox. I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't want to just only plug myself, but that's definitely something that's really helpful. I'm trying to think about what else I've used recently. Do you use, um, uh, yeah, this is not going to be that lightning, but <laughs> when it comes to your drip funnel, like, are you using drip or convert kit to like, um, automate email sequences? Oh, okay. Good one. Okay. So like the actual like software that I use that, yeah, that, that makes it easier for me to answer. Um, I use Entreport, which is a, a CRM, uh, but I do recommend, convert kit to my audience because it's really easy to use. Um, so if you go to myelias.com slash convert kit, you can use my affiliate link, but convert kit is actually really, really good. Um, Asana and Google drive. Those are the two that I love and they are free 99. So I definitely love that. And it, it helps me manage myself and my content, which helps me manage my team better. So I go inside of Asana and I'll assign things to myself and I'll assign things to my team. And then my Google Drive is where I keep a lot of my content. 
So that way I can review it. And that way my, um, my VA can access it. My copywriter can proofread things for there and leave me some notes. And I actually have a blog post on how I set up, um, how I set up my files and everything. So I'll make sure I, I send you that link for your audience, but Asana and Google drive, those are really, really good to get organized and then also to delegate. Okay. Number two, what's been the best business book or podcast episode that you've consumed this year? Ooh, thank God it's only February because I don't have to think back too far. The best book that I've read, Mariah actually recommended it to me. She was like, literally read this book tomorrow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's called The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And I really, really love it because for me right now, my business, I'm not looking necessarily for additional strategies. Um, I'm looking to just like expand my vision and work on my mindset and try to think bigger. And this book teaches us those bad habits that keep us like at, I guess our comfort zone, so to speak, um, where we're just like, okay, I'm excellent here. Like I'm good here. I'm making enough money, but it really teaches you how to just stretch your mind and go after more. And so I really, really, really enjoyed that book. The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Got it. I will add it to the show notes. Number three, who inspires you and why? (laughs) Oh, man. I hate this question because I never know what to say. And then I feel like such a jerk because it's just like, wow, nobody inspires you. Cool. Um, <laughs> Cause I think everybody like expects me to say like my mom inspires me or something like she definitely does. I love my mom. I think that I'm just honestly inspired by just everyday things and people as a creative, I can look at anything and be inspired by it and, and create an idea off of it. I'm inspired Like when I go to the gym and I see people exercising, I'm inspired that people that are like their first week in business and they're like, I got my first like tweet today or something like that. Like I'm just inspired by people who are excited about what they're doing. (laughs) Speaking of my, so my next question, um, and inspiration kind of go very nicely together because you've inspired me with your new personal habit. So the question is, what's the personal habit that has helped you significantly in your business? And I saw your story the other day about um, your weight loss journey. I was like, you know what? If Maya (laughs) can make the time, let me get my little butt together. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um. Creating routines has definitely been a game changer in just my life in general. Um, at the beginning, like, you know, the beginning of the years when everybody gets excited about resolutions. And I was like, I had a lot of growth in 2016 and I knew I wanted to keep up the momentum. So I was like, what do I want my 2017 to look like? And based on what I want that to look like, what does my everyday need to look like? What do what, like what does my daily routine need to look like in order to see that through? So I don't I can't even specifically think of like a specific business routine, but I know for me, like over business, I really wanted to stay on top of my health and stay on top of my faith. So it was like, you know, waking up and and reading my Bible in the morning or reading a devotion and then, you know, exercising or or eating a, a different way. So just having those routines for my life make me a better business person overall. Cause it's like, who cares if I make a lot of money, if I'm going to hell and I'm gaining 10 pounds every single month. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, discipline, it makes you feel really good when you can master discipline in several areas of life. <laughs> yes. It does, it does. And so last question, what's your parting advice for fellow women entrepreneurs who want to be their own boss but are worried about losing a steady paycheck? Ooh, um, my advice is to use wisdom Um, Because as much as I want everybody to be able to leave their nine to five, I also want them to actually enjoy entrepreneurship because it's it's meant to be an enjoyable experience, although there will be challenges. So definitely just be wise about what your money needs to look like in order to pursue it full time Um, and then be really intentional about the people that you want to help, because when you focus on people that's when the profit will come. But when you focus so much on the profit, you forget about the people and you will scare them away. Uh, What a great note to end on. I was just thinking about that this weekend. And, you know, I've seen, um, I recently noticed, you know, a couple of people who just recently left their jobs, made the leap. And it was because of like one of those, I can't stand these people anymore kind of thing, which is always the worst Mm -hmm. way to leave without planning. And, you know, now I just see them like they're going like so hard on the sales stuff on like Mm. platforms like Instagram. And it's like, that's not how you create an audience (laughs) when you're shoving your product down everyone's um, throat. But you're so desperate now to make that money that you have to do that. So allow yourself the opportunity to truly build an audience by being able able to to provide valuable content and not just shoving your product down their throat every day. Yes, Um, exactly. And even let me give one more note if I can. Um, Try to practice making an impact in serving people at the nine to five that you hate right now. If you can learn how to master serving people that you don't like and and learning how to make an impact in a space that you don't love right now, it's going to be so much more fulfilling when you get out of there. So what's the best way that we can connect with you after this episode? You guys can connect with me on Instagram at my Elias, and you can join my free Facebook group where there's 1600 plus other content creators that are trying to monetize their content or are already doing it successfully. I'm in there all the time. I'm hanging out with my people all the time, giving, giving them advice. So you guys can join that for free at bit.ly slash content club. And I'm in the content club, loving it. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, people, people are going to think I'm like an affiliate for you. Like, y'all, I just <laughs> honestly have used Maya stuff and her content has helped me. No affiliate. All right. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. And with that, thank you so much for joining us in the guest chair today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. And there you have it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Side Hustle Pro. If you want to hear more from me, head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash side hustle corner to get my weekly side hustle diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.